It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, get again to part two of this podcast with the Locked On Lakers guys in a second. If you haven't listened to the first part of the podcast, it was published, it went up on Wednesday. Definitely go check that one out. This is the second part of our conversation. Andy and Brian Kamenetsky, Locked On Lakers. We're going to get into it. It's really fun. Uh, happy to be talking with these guys before the season starts. Sure, we're going to be doing it again. But as always, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, the Brooklyn Nets every single day. I'm Doug Norrie. No Adam Armbrecht today. That's okay. This is two. Excuse me, the second part of a two-part podcast with the Locked On Lakers guys, Andy and Brian Kamenetsky. These guys are awesome. Uh, total Lakers experts. Like I said at the top, we're going to be talking to these guys probably a few times over the course of the season as the Nets, we talked about it yesterday, are on something like a collision course with <laughs> the Lakers over the course of this season. They're just the runaway favorites. Uh, that's just kind of how the season is starting to shape up. Look, basketball can go a lot of different ways. A lot of things can happen. We saw that last year. Injuries can get in the way. I do think, and we talk about this in the podcast, I think both these teams have set themselves up to sort of weather a lot of different injury concerns that they maybe weren't able to last year. I think that's one major difference between this year and last year. The Kamenetsky brothers definitely uh, feel the same way. It's really interesting to talk about these two teams in this context now because we're seeing how, you know, the Nets had a great team last year and it didn't take much for uh, the fragility to sort of set in around the superstars. Same with the Lakers. There's a lot of overlap when you look at the, how these two teams' seasons played out. Not as soul-crushing for the Lakers as it was for the Nets, but um, you know, injuries still did them in, all said and done. And we talk about it here today, about how the, the two teams have kind of addressed that, gone into this season and said, hey, this was a real problem for us last year. Maybe we overtaxed uh, the players during the regular season. It was a crazy schedule. You know, there was really just, you know, all the way packed in, injuries came up, and that ultimately cost both teams in the end and how they addressed how they addressed, you know, building and roster construction for last year. So part one of the podcast, we talked um, at length about DeAndre Jordan and where he fit in uh, with the Lakers and what the Nets were maybe losing, quote unquote, and what the Lakers were gaining, also in quotes. Uh, this one is a little, we, and then we started to get into more broad stuff. And then this part of the podcast picks up on um, where that kind of left off about the, you know, heading into the season, the likelihood that these two teams are going to see each other in the finals. What's going to, ha- what could happen if they do? What are some of the narratives that are going to be present when and if these teams 
ultimately face each other when it's all said and done. There's a lot of narratives. We kind of get into that about the stories that will be told around a lot of the different players that are now on the Lakers and Nets and how sometimes legacies can sort of be cemented around this kind of thing. And it's, it's crazy when you think about it, how many different guys that now applies for when it comes to the Lakers and Nets. They're stacked with guys that are older. They're stacked with guys, some of them that are on the tail end of their careers, maybe some where things haven't worked out perfectly. And the, uh, yeah, the stuff for the, both these teams, the overlap in terms of narratives is remarkably similar, even if the two teams are constructed totally differently. So it's a really fun conversation. Like I said, go back and listen to part one with the DeAndre piece. If you haven't listened to that one yet, you don't need to listen to that one to understand what's going on here. It's just sort of an extension of the original conversation. But we will pick it up. Just a reminder, too, this uh, conversation uh, is on both the Locked On Nets and on Locked On Lakers. But you want Locked On Nets YouTube channel. I forgot to put the link in the notes. Will not for yesterday's show. Will not forget it for this one. Already getting a bunch of subscribers over there. People popping in, commenting on the videos. This whole conversation is right now up on the Locked On Nets feed on YouTube. So go and check that out. Link will be in the show notes. We're going to get to the conversation in one second first. If you are inundated with devices right now, and believe me, in the streaming world, you can feel like you've got uh, one device that lets you watch games, another one where you watch shows, maybe you're over there uh, watching, you're setting your kids up on something else, maybe you're just trying to get the sports highlights on the iPad, you know how this goes, you got sometimes you're just using different friends, login for the good stuff, right now there's a simpler way to get all the entertainment you love without any of that aforementioned hassle. And it's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. No more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. Best part, no annual contract. You'll like to hear that one, folks. Get on that monthly plan. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by packages. Okay, part two, locked on Lakers, locked on Nets. Here we go. Um, so, yeah, you you talked about it, Doug. The the Nets on paper, if everybody stays healthy, could win a ton of games, 65, whatever. How If they really put the gas down. The Lakers, if everybody's healthy, could very likely do the same, you know, particularly you know through the regular season. But even if they didn't, we're going to get a Lakers-Nets finals come hell or high water, right, Andy? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, unless both of these teams crap the bed in ways that are just too obvious, uh, too nakedly transparent that you can paper over, paper over with some type of explanations, the league is going to rig this thing so we get Lakers-Nets in the finals. Because this is what everybody wants. There's always concerns about ratings in a, in a new world where – you know, there are more options. People are cutting cords, all that stuff. Sports, got to save them, man. And Lakers-Nets is what the people want. Like the Lakers schedule, Doug, opens pretty soft. This is a team that needs time to get going, put all the new pieces together. You going to tell me that's a coincidence? No. Like what's Brooklyn's schedule? Would you say Brooklyn's schedule is favorable overall? Because the Lakers is good. I Lakers When I checked, really I saw Brooklyn. I didn't understand this, but Brooklyn has 13 games against St. John's and another six against Seton Hall. <laughs> I know that. Well, they opened this. They, 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 they did one dirty thing to them a little bit. Is that they may, they're making them open the season against Milwaukee when Milwaukee's going to get the ring. Um, so, like, they have to. No, that's good. Teams, you, teams usually. Uh-huh. 
yeah. crap the bed on ring night because it's too distracting. <laughs> they have to do, uh, yes, they have to do, um, they have to do that. Oh, excuse me, that's their first, their first game against Milwaukee. So the, um, the, the, that piece is, I'm not, it's like, it's not even something I'm really totally worried about here. I don't think, I don't think that it's funny to call it rigged because that, that makes sense in the sense that it's easy to call it that, but it's only because the NBA sort of allowed these teams to get so good, like under the comp, like they made it, they've made it sort of incentivized now. It's not going to rig itself, Doug. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> these things, these things need to be, you know. Well, wouldn't you say we're in an interesting, involved. we're in this interesting bubble of where sort of like veteran players are trending to like the the fact that the Lakers got Russell Westbrook, right? The fact that the Nets have Paul Millsap and LaMarcus Aldridge, these players that were at one point sort of peak level-ish players, Russ probably higher than those other two guys, but um, that on the downswing of their career, they're willing to enter these situations that where they are not the star anymore. And that actually is sort of like rigging it because there's a situation now where you're able to like no one's saying Russell Westbrook is peak, you know, 2016 or whatever, Russ or Lamarcus Aldridge's max contract guy or Millsap was whoever who you know who he was when he was with you know more of with when he was with Atlanta. But the fact that the NBA has sort of incentivized the scenario where these guys get absolutely paid and then are just fine to being third fiddles, fourth fiddles on teams later in their career. I don't, maybe it's a LeBron and KD thing, and you just really want to play with those guys specifically. But it's not a rigging of it. <laughs> but, man, it made it easy for these teams to sort of load up on – I mean, even mention who the Lakers have. Look, Mello, whatever. You seem He's, very reluctant to use the R word here, Doug. It's okay. There's no tinfoil hat on this head. I, uh, <laughs> I, Look, I, so it's clear. I have done no reporting on this. This is not insider sourcing. <laughs> just, or no, it's not. It's not a. It's not a reporting thing. It's just right. it's the right thing to do. David, if you're listening right now, relax. We're not going to get you in any trouble. No, like, no, it's no, no. Be okay. it's, it's just the right thing to do to make oh, yeah. sure that these teams meet in the final. This is entertainment. Give people well, what they want. If you look at the top five, if you want to just look at it from that standpoint, because people will always Lakers fans. I don't know if they ever deal. With, they never deal with this. It's the opposite. Because like one one thing Nets nation gets dragged with is that they're not a real team right they don't have real fans they don't have a real fan base oh this would be a joke if they won look at their stadium it's a knicks town this is where these are the these are the thing you were wondering about, about rivalries nets will never have a rivalry with the lakers nets have a nets fans specifically have rivalries one within their own sort of feelings of not being good enough <laughs> like you know, little brother kind of syndromes where they feel like they're always told they're not a real they're not a real team you know, like these, these fans just came around, blah, blah, blah. You know, if MSG is rocking, then the Barclays will be a joke, stuff like this. This is the, these are the rivalries that the Nets fans have. Um, but if you look at in terms of popularity, in terms of like jersey sales, I'm pretty sure these these two teams have five or six of the top 10 jerseys now. And I know KD Harden and Kyrie are top three. I'm sure LeBron is like no lower than two. Um, and then I'm sure Russ. Ross of the West with a Laker jersey is going to be really high up there too. So if you look at, at a new NBA landscape where fans are fans of players and are fine swapping the laundry around a little bit, then you are, if you are the NBA, you're so happy about this <laughs> because you're going to have like five of the most popular guys. And yeah, and that, and they're all interconnected. And that leads, that leads to the, the, the next question I have. Like we've talked a lot about, you know, just the ways the you know, it's not hard to come up with storylines with these six guys, um, you know, connected to each other. And then, you know, 
forget the you know some of the ancillary Carmelo Anthony going for all that stuff. I mean, we don't even need to get there. What are your favorite kind of matchup related things when you think about what Lakers Nets could be going into the year? Because that's the other thing. They've never actually played. Like right. for all the hype, they've never played. Well, it starts with who fans want to label the best, and I'll do it too. Who everyone wants to always label who the best player is, right? Who's the best player in the league? And you have talking heads all over the place that have sort of put their stake in the ground and will never move off it. And then you got people that are having it fine being a fluid situation. The fact that you could have a finals that features two guys that are typically spoken like this and LeBron and KD just to start would be fascinating and awesome. Now they've already done it once, but that wasn't really KD's team at the time, right? That was Steph's team. And so um, the, this is clearly like after last year's playoffs, forget it. Don't even if they're, even if they're healthy with Harden and Kyrie, this is KD's team. Like he was so unbelievable last year that there is no doubt that he is the you know alpha on this team and the rest of the guys are just kind of happy to be playing with him and are great also. So he'd be in a situation where he clearly is that guy for the first time facing off against a guy who you can still at his peak put as no worse than like the top three best player in the league. So I think it would just start with that. But then you have all these, I mean, you... <laughs> How many people's legacies would be fixed by the, one of these two teams winning the championship? <laughs> like everybody's. <laughs> There'd be so many, probably more the Lakers at this point, because you would get Mellow one and you could get, um, well, AD already has, you get Russ one, right? And then just kind of down the line. Harden. That's hard, but then you throw Harden in the mix. Like you fix his legacy right there. Kyrie probably still ends up being the same. You know, Blake gets a championship somehow at the tail end of his career. There's a lot of guys whose story gets changed just by these two teams entering the finals. And in a way that there's no other narrative. I mean, God, the narratives. This would be an absolute wet dream for some of these national broadcast places. They never run out of stories. <laughs> They'd never be able to stop talking about it. My, my question to you, Doug, is who do you think would want it more? I'm just kidding. Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, this is it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I and I just I, I'm with you. I I I think you said at the top. I just don't see a scenario where at least one of them is not there <laughs> with the way they're built at this point. Where at least especially the way the West doesn't seem to have really improved. Um I I I can't imagine a scenario well, now I'm too excited about it because I was I sometimes talk myself into not being See? this far on the bell, right side of the bell curve of positivity, but <laughs> this one this conversation maybe probably Shot me all the way there. That's why you should just embrace the R word to make sure we get <laughs> all get what we want. It is that exciting and that much fun. Oh yeah. Are there are there particular um, like when you look at the way the Lakers theoretically are going to be playing this season, which is just overwhelming teams with size, trying to get as much as they possibly can at the rim. You know, just putting that type of pressure on you. And you know, if Frank Vogel's system and uh, communication abilities are to be believed, being able to get any combination of players you ever give him to play elite level defense versus Durant and Harden and Kyrie leading this blitz of, we don't care about defense. We are just going to outscore everybody. Like, are there things in the matchup that make you believe like one side will give as, as opposed to the other one? Like, are, are there things that you look at and say, all right, 
here's where the Lakers may have an inherent advantage versus here's where the Nets may have. Again, early on, but just what you see on paper. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think a pretty obvious advantage that the Nets have right now is the one question I personally, I don't know, what you, I'm sure you guys have talked about this, um, or I'd love to hear your feedback, is that if I looked at the two squads right now, I would have some concerns about the Lakers shooting, I think, um, in terms of especially if they ran out. You're not alone, Doug. Yeah, if they ran out like a Westbrook, LeBron, AD, big center, and then like that last guy is the one guy that can shoot, that that would be – that would be a little bit like Ellington, I guess. Um, like that would be a little bit of a concern for me, or that would be where I would think the Nets would have some advantage that the, their defensive capabilities would not be able to make up. Because I'm actually not worried about guys like Russ on defense, especially around these the, the two guards. And so when it comes to Harden and Kyrie, and so I'm not sure that's really an advantage that plays in the Lakers' favor. That I don't right, think they make, get you enough. Just, you make yourselves easier to cover. This is why I actually made it to not uh, let you get back to it. Like, no, yeah. I'm not totally sure they're going to play the overwhelming with size thing in the same way that they did in, in, in the championship season, you know, there will be elements of that, especially if Jordan plays, but I actually think they're going to be smaller and faster this year um, in a lot of ways than they were before. The difference is Anthony Davis is so rangy and so big and LeBron is so big. And, and Russ and so, is like, big. I mean, they're big either they're, way. They're, they're I just size from top to bottom. Right. Size by by that you mean not just size at center, just large Sorry. human beings. And okay, yeah. in that sense, I agree with you. But I think people sometimes associate that with, you know, playing a lot of centers, playing a lot of bigs. I'm not convinced they're gonna do it that way. But yeah, they still got length. Sure. Oh, yeah. Like the Bucks had the Bucks had size last year, and you wouldn't think of them as a big team, but when they mm -hmm. all stand on the court together, there's really nowhere for the ball to right. go. So size can be born out of different sort of types of player it's but more you do, than I, you're right you do make yourselves easier to cover when you shrink the floor that way and the shooting isn't there it makes it easier for a team that may not be as good as you uh defensively like the nets to cover you more easily yeah um, there's you know, the nets would years. not have a problem in in the in the in the lineup that i mentioned i don't actually think come to a game seven that would be the lakers lineup i i don't it's just i think you know eventually ad just plays goes moves to center and they bring in, they get another shooter onto the floor, another spacer onto the floor, and that ends up being the way you go. I, I still, but I still wonder how much of the shooting they have down the line, if, and and if it's enough. Because again, the 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 Nets almost have a. The reason the Nets, it's, I, I used to say this all last year. The reason that looks like the Nets have um, are always spacing the floor really well is not because they actually they do space the floor very well, but it's because defenders cannot let up on any single player and you can't double any guy. And so what happens then is the floor just magically does open up in a way that it doesn't for other teams, because you, the, the, the fractional inches that you can sometimes give away to other lesser players, you're, it's not available with the nets. And so then it looks like the ball can move super fast because there's can't be, have any mistakes being made. It's such an overwhelming advantage when they play all against each other that, can end up looking like, oh, they're this great spacing team and they move the ball so fast. It's really born out of when you're when you're in that situation against them on defense, if you give even an inch in a certain situation, you're dead. And that is that typically can overwhelm even the most defensively sound big team when it's in the end because they can score from all three levels. And specifically, they have three guys that can score at elite sort of levels from all three levels. And when that's the case, you can, there's very few defensive combinations that can account for that. And so 
I think that that combined with wondering a little bit where some of the range shooting comes for the Lakers mm-hmm. would make me think that the Nets, at least on paper right now, have the advantage. So my last thing, how much of what the Nets are doing, you know, in terms of, of their strategy yes. and all that is to, is to overwhelm with offense in a way that you, you know, like you feel like you either you need to score every time down um, because you're not going to get enough stops. Like how much, you know, how, how much of that is to whether it's to speed you up, to get you out of your game and all that kind of stuff is central to their strategy. Because to me, that's, that's a fascinating aspect of why the Lakers may be looking for more offense this year is to compete with that where, you know what, I don't care how good of a defense we construct we need more firepower to compete with a team that can score against any defense. Yeah, so the Nets kind of showed that this is this is a path. When the, the, the Warriors could do this too, and there's some overlap between how I think these things play out with the Warriors. I don't think they're the same defensively as the Warriors, but there's a tenant in basketball that your defense becomes better the more you – it can become better the more you score because you start from a better – one, you don't get caught in transition as much. You can reset the defense. Like the Warriors used to play super fast – and sometimes people are like, oh, they play super fast, but they also played super fast and awesome on, and defense. Awesome on defense. And so one of the reasons for that was when you score every time down the court, you are, you're not getting cross-matched. You're not getting out in transit. No one can get you in transition. No one can kind of catch you on your heels because you just are able to move back down the court and de- defensively reset yourself. And so one, I think that is actually, you'd always want to score more. You know, like you need to score more points to win, but the, some teams that can understand that a little bit better will say, Hey, the more we score also, it will also lighten the load for us on the other end of the court, because we're just not going to get caught in disadvantaged situations. And so I think that's where they start. Also, it's also easy to forget like Durant's a, Durant's an excellent defender. Um, some of these mm-hmm. guys are super versatile. Harden's actually when he is engaged as a good defender <laughs> and he was pretty engaged last year. So like he's, he's competent at defense. Kyrie played fine on defense last year. Cause they were all really engaged. And so I think they want to overwhelm you simply because they can. Look how close they came to beating the Bucs with just Durant, no Kyrie, and a, at best 70% Harden. And they came within Durant's toe of going of winning that series against the Bucs. And that was just because you just you couldn't stop Durant. <laughs> he was unstoppable when they had when they focused all the defensive attention against him. If you put the other guys on the court, it's really just a proposition that most teams can't do. And they just know that, that if that's going to be the, the the equation, that is unsolvable for other teams. The Warriors kind of got it too. It was like, hey, if we have two guys that shoot this well from three, one guy that can roll to the rim, and anybody that can do anything else, it's going to be – oh, and they put Durant on the team. Sorry, I forgot about him. And they put Durant, Durant on the team also. What can you What can you do? This this team is built like that in terms of offense. It's not they don't have Steph, but they're yeah. these guys aren't far behind them. Like the Warriors are a comp like this for how good they can be on offense when they're all things are clicking. It starts with Durant, but these other guys are just so they're just they can just absolutely overwhelm you. So good luck. All right, there's there is uh, no shortage of stuff to talk about with when it comes to the Lakers and Nets. It is mid September. We're Literally just getting started with it. I cannot imagine this will be the last time, Doug, uh, that we do this. Um, it was a lot of fun, and oh, yeah. two teams that it's kind of it's it sucks and it's cool that they're only going to play twice this year because it leaves a lot of mystery. So thanks so much for coming on, man, and giving the time. Looking forward to do it again. I'll talk Nets versus Lakers all day. Yeah, look forward to talking during the season. Awesome, man. Thank you. 
All right, thanks for hanging in for two parts of Locked On Nets, Locked On Lakers crossover podcast. Again, we'll be doing this more during the season. You'll hear from us when we cross over with some of these other teams as well. Always fun to talk to some of the local guys, local markets, uh, get a new taste of eh, just a new sense of what's been happening in different places. Lakers, Nets, obviously uh, heading in for an an awesome season. It's going to be a really, really fun one. Like I said at the top, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. That link will be in the show notes. Uh, make sure you subscribe over there. Maybe like a video or two. Leave a comment. Love to hear from you. Have a comment in back when people throw something out there. Want to hear from people all season long. And if you just listen to the podcast and your regular old devices, make sure you rate and review wherever you listen. Adam and I will be back again Friday talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.